0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show.
1: Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. <laughs> okay, that's not exactly a warning shot.
0: The Accurate Mortgage Talking. text line is open now give jeff a call at 855-616-1620 coming up next Squirrel, and now wtmj's jeff wagner
1: good afternoon wisconsin welcome to the show look i understand across the country almost almost every talk show host today is starting off with a discussion of the state of the union And if they're not starting off with a discussion of the State of the Union, they're talking about the latest developments from Iowa. Well, I'm not any talk show host. We will discuss that a little bit later on in the program, but there's some other things I want to, some local stories I want to talk about first. We'll get to Iowa. We'll get to the State of the Union, so stick around for that. Um, MS is a very, very debilitating disease. Um, I actually, I, I started, I, I learned a lot about it because I had a law school classmate who um, passed away from from MS, and um, she managed to make it through, She had she had it diagnosed when, when she was a child. That's rare for MS, and went through law school, and she was a close friend of my late wife, as a matter of fact, and, and, and passed away a couple of years out of getting out of school. But you know, I, I became more aware through her of the nature of this disease. And of course, like many other diseases that are out there, people are looking for cures for it. And so there's lots of very, very good people all across the country that come up with ways to try to raise money that they then can contribute to you know organizations that are out there trying to find a cure. Well, <clears throat> up in the, in the Saukville area, there, there's a family. It's the Bell family. And what they have been doing for the last like 17 or 18 years is they have been staging an event every year designed to raise money that they then take and they contribute to the MS Society so the money can be used to find a cure. As a matter of fact, over the course of the last like 18 years, this annual event that they do has generated somewhere in the neighborhood of half a million bucks. So it's, it's a, it's, it's an event that has grown. And, you know, you've got to give them a a lot of credit, right? Why are we talking about this? Because, actually, the event occurred last weekend. So why are we talking about the event? Well, it's because the organization that puts this together, and and what they call themselves is Rabbits Unlimited, they have fallen afoul of a handful of self-proclaimed animal rights experts. See, here's the deal. Every year, they have what they call a rabbit hunt so here's the deal people organize you get three people teams that's the way it works you sign up for a three person team there's a team registration fee you pay 225 bucks and then <clears throat> what happens is you go out in the morning and I think the way the thing works is you you have a couple hours to go out and to hunt rabbits you need a small game license to do this, but it's for people who are rabbit hunters. So you have these teams of three. They scatter you know, all throughout you know, areas where you're legally allowed to hunt, and the idea is to hunt rabbits, and then what happens is after a couple hours of the rabbit hunt, everybody Comes back and they have a different establishment, a different bar, a different restaurant where they do this every year. And included in your two hundred and twenty-five dollar registration fee, you get you get beer and you get food, and they have raffles and they have silent auction items. You know, it's like anything else, but it, it's built around the rabbit hunting. Now, you, you don't have to go out and, and hunt rabbits if you, if you don't want to. You could just kind of sign up and go and attend the event. But it's it's again, it's, it's rabbits unlimited. So people go out and they they catch these rabbits. What happens to the rabbits? Well, all right, the the rabbits are either, you have the choice, you can either keep the rabbits yourself and take them home and cook them up. Rabbit stew, bunny stew, things like that. Or what you can do is you can donate them to the the group and what they do is they'll take them and they'll donate them as food to, and they end up going to food pantries or things like that. So um, the rabbits that are caught, as a result of this are are used for food in, in some way or another so it 's not just like carcasses of rabbits being dumped all over, but this is the fundraiser it's it 's rabbit hunting and again, you need a small game license to do this. It has been very, very successful over the years now it 's controversial because you are hunting rabbits. If you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner six twenty I have a, a link to the most recent story about this. Because there's a, a small group of animal rights activists. Matter of fact, um, if you look at the, the picture that was in the journal Sentinel, and I've got a link to this, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people standing in front of like the MS Society. And by the way, the MS Society doesn't organize this. This is a separate group, they're this family that puts these things together. But they're holding signs, end violence against animals, inhumane unethical, barbaric, shame on the MS society, um, bunny shot for MS charity, all these different things. So you've got this handful of people that are, are appalled by this. And, you know, one of the self-proclaimed activists and like I said there's only about a half dozen of these folks the general public does not want this type of event to continue we have made many attempts to contact both the Wisconsin chapter of the National National Multiple Sclerosis Society as well as national headquarters they refuse to address the public opposition of wildlife hunting contests as fundraisers they need to speak up and make ethical stances on how donations are generated on their behalf Okay, let's open up the phone lines, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, that this is a private family that's been doing this for 17, 18 years. Nobody holds a gun to anybody's head, forcing them to participate in this. Um, the people who do it are people who apparently enjoy hunting, hunting rabbits. And this is a way that they get all these folks together and they raise a bunch of money for a good cause. So let's tee this up. All right. Is this violence against animals? Is this barbaric and unethical and inhumane? Should um should MS be the charities be appalled that people are raising funds based on a rabbit hunt? Eight five five six one six one six twenty, that's the Accunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My line would be if you don't if you don't want to go out and hunt rabbits then don't participate in this particular fashion. You know, find some other way to support the charity, write a check, etc. But th- this idea that no, we should somehow stop doing this, a legal activity, and again, you need to be licensed to do this. You need to have that small game license. I mean, people are gonna go out and hunt rabbits anyways. That's just kind of the reality. And if this is a way of doing it and generating money for a good cause, I say, why not? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Grew is lining up the calls. We're back to discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, hunting rabbits is not my thing. I would not be participating in this particular fundraiser, but a lot of people apparently like it. They've raised close to half a million dollars in 18 years through this event. And now you've got some animal rights activists saying, no, 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 we, we can't raise money for charity by having people go out and hunt rabbits. Well, my answer would be, why not? I mean, if people are out hunting rabbits anyways, isn't it better to do it for a cause and then make sure that the rabbits are going to be put to some use like they're going to be eaten? You know, it, it, it's going to contribute to food pantries or whatever. I don't have a problem with this, even though I wouldn't do it myself. Let's start with Jim. Jim, you're first. Good afternoon.
2: Yes, my co- my question is: Are they raising the money legally? Yes, yeah, sounds sure. like they are. Case closed.
1: Well, right there, it, it's very it, clearly it's it's legal, and that's what they say. I mean, everybody, you got to have a small game license to participate, so you have to be licensed out and do, to be out and do that. I guess the question though is: Is this unethical? Is it a bad way? Should even if they're legally allowed to do it, should they say no? We just don't want to raise money in this fashion.
3: They can go ahead and do it. As far as I'm concerned.
1: Now that's. I, th- thanks. I guess that that's how I kind of. That's how I sort of look at this too. Now I, again, I, I understand that there are people who are opposed for whatever reason to hunting. I I get it. But, you know, hunting is whether we're talking about, you know, waterfowl or whether you're talking about deer or whether you're talking about rabbits or whatever. I mean, we hunting is allowed in the state of Wisconsin. This is a perfectly legal activity. And I think it is a perfect given that I'm with you, Jim, given that it's a perfectly legal activity. Why in the world? wouldn't we allow people who can I don't know perhaps try to put this again build support for a good worthwhile cause around this and if you don't like hunting I understand I I get it I respect that but this idea that oh you know we shouldn't be able to go out and hunt well then you know people can't answer these questions about what you do with the surplus population of animals and things of the like now I mean they're raising money for a good cause and I guess I lump this in the category of no good deed goes unpunished and my question really is i I love the statement that one of these right animal rights activists give saying that in general there's no support for this at all that i mean people what's the exact quotation that she says the general public does not want this type of event to continue well i i don't know i'm part of the general public i don't have a problem with this event I mean, does the general public really say, you know, we we don't want you to be able to, you know, have these hunting events where you follow all the rules and the proceeds go to charity? I mean, is this really where the general public is? I'm curious. What do you think, general public? Chuck in Milwaukee. Chuck, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you?
1: I am well. Thank you, sir. What do you think about all this?
3: Well, uh, my wife was diagnosed with MS. about two years ago, and my whole point of view is, luckily, she's able to control medication and any cure they can find. I'm all for it, and mm-hmm. luckily, uh, we have very good insurance. She takes three shots a week to keep it under control, and it's $12,000 dollars a
1: month. Well, well. So this idea that you have people out there who are trying to raise money to, you know, help find a cure and those type of things, you, you're you're all in favor of it. And anything somebody does that's legal that can help generate some money for this charity to help deal with this awful disease, you're all in favor of.
3: I'm all in favor. You know, if somebody, if oh, we're short a couple of bunnies compared to saving somebody's life, uh, I'm going to say go for. Uh, they yeah, that's somebody's life.
1: Well, right. See, I, I'm. I mean, I'm with you. I mean, th- thanks for the call. I mean, I, again, I'm. I, I'm i with you in this regard. Now, look. The, the, here's the deal with charity fundraising. There are so many worthwhile causes that are out there. And if you're like me, you almost get inundated with these requests. People raising money for this or people raising money for that. A couple about a week and a half ago I, I had my, my wife's granddaughter on and you know, she's involved in this big fundraising thing for leukemia and lymphoma. And, you know, my, my wife's been helping her out. But I, I understand people get asked for money all the time. So I, I, I think in some respects, it behooves folks to try to come up with creative ways to, you know, raise funds. In this particular case, the rabbit hunt, obviously they have touched a nerve. There's all sorts of people that participate. These are people that are going to be going out and hunting rabbits regardless. I mean, this, this is the end, that's the, the end of the game. They're going to be hunting rabbits regardless. So if you can build it around something that's going to generate money for a worthwhile cause, what, why not? Uh, here's a tech chef. It's legal to hunt rabbits, and they're being used to feed some people. These people who object are, are nuts. Um, y- yeah. I mean, that, that's, that, that that's exactly what, what's going on here, I think. You know, look, I, again, I, I'm not gonna be a rabbit hunter, okay? I would have issues with that. But at the same time, it, it, it I appreciate, that, you know, there's a reason why we, we have these hunts that are organized, including, by the way, the overpopulation of rabbits that's out there. And if you didn't have that, uh, these various hunts to kind of thin the population, you know, what you have is rabbits, you know, dying by other predators. You have rabbits dying by disease, all those sorts of things. I mean, where where are you going to draw the line? And this idea that, oh, let's pressure MS because we don't like We don't like the way some of these people are raising money. Let's go lean on the charity and try to shame them into, I guess, not taking money or discouraging the people from raising money in this fashion. I mean, give me a break. Maybe what you should do protesters instead of walking around all seven of you with the sign saying you know we want to stop this exploitation of the bunnies maybe you should do something really positive like spend all this time go out try to raise some money yourself to fight ms you know how how about that jeff these five or six nuts don't represent the general public the ms society should do what they have been doing and ignore them and again it's This is a separate group. They call themselves Rabbits Unlimited. They have this fundraiser every year, and then they donate the proceeds to the MS Society. Well, obviously, the protesters... I probably figured that going after rabbits unlimited isn't going to get them anywhere because they've already decided this is what we're doing and this is what we've been done, doing successfully. So they're trying to go after the MS society and say, don't take this money. This money is tainted. This money is somehow, you know, dirty. Ah. Okay. Uh, Jolene from Mocanto says, economologue says, it doesn't bother me. I was diagnosed with MS in 2011. Better than hearing about the rabbits getting killed by coyotes or coyotes. Um, Yes. Jeff, archaeological records show humans have been hunting for more than two million years. PETA began protesting in 1980. We have cave drawings depicting hunting for thousands of years. Hunting is natural. I'm all for legal hunting in Wisconsin, and it's a great fundraising concept for MS. Jeff, in uh uh, let's see. In Denmark, uh, Richard in Denmark texts. So, if I hold a fish fry fundraiser for MS, are they going to protest about the cruelty to fish? Very good question. I mean, you know, how far do you take this? I mean, you know, have, have you seen when you you catch a perch? You know, have you seen you know maybe some of the suffering that that perch has before it ends up getting fried up? I mean, what are we going to do? Are we going to show up and protest um, there, Jeff? I've never gone rabbit hunting. It sounds like a great idea. What the bag limit for rabbit don't don't know don't know and I don't know how they award prizes all I know is these folks the organizers rabbits unlimited this family that puts this together spends a lot of time and effort on a yearly basis recruiting teams finding the place to, to go getting prizes all those sort of things and the proceeds go to help find a cure for a deadly disease I'm all in favor of it. And I guess my message to the handful of animal rights activists that are trying to bring this to a halt once again would be, why don't you try to do something constructive with your time, like figure out your own way to raise money to maybe fight this disease? This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Our, our, our text line is filling up with people who have had, had rabbit. I've, I've, I've had rabbit in a stew um, it's not tastes like chicken. I'm hearing it tastes like squirrel. <laughs> that's what they're saying. You know, I've, I've had squirrel in a stews too. Have you, have you had it, bro?
4: Yeah, I've had it before in like a pasta. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of it was like a little bit chewier than chicken.
1: Right, but it, yeah, it's and actually you um, like in like a ragu and things. That, that that's actually quite a delicacy. Oh, it's I guess. awesome. You, yeah, you go to a number of restaurants and stuff, and they'll have the rabbit in in a ragu. In any event, I mean, it, it's legal to hunt them. It's legal to eat them. I have no problem. Um, and if you hunt them. And you get to eat them, that's great. And if you hunt them and you do it to raise money for MS, I'm all in favor of that as well. All right, here is the story. Bob, I'm going to miss Bob Donovan. Bob Donovan, Milwaukee alderman, who kind of calls it like he, he says it, and he's he's retiring after, I think his term ends in June or something like that. I'm going to miss Donovan, because Donovan, he says things that deserve to be said. Now, many of you, If you're a fan of my program or you're a fan of the concept of talk radio, you know who Rush Limbaugh is. Rush Limbaugh is the guy who, I mean, arguably... Arguably back in the 80s saved a.m. Radio um, by you know once the fairness doctrine disappeared He did a, a sh- he does a show talking about you know his his conservative leanings It's very very overtly political. He pushes all sorts of envelopes and you know the Limbaugh show is is incredibly popular I think it's probably the most listened to a.m. talk show certainly in, in the country, so I, I don't get a chance to listen to it because For the last 22 years, for most of my time, you know, we're going head to head and we've carved out quite a niche. We do very well as well. But I mean, you you got to appreciate nationally the success that Rush Limbaugh has had. Earlier this week, Rush Limbaugh announced that he had been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. Now, not exactly sure what that means. He received the Medical Medal of Freedom from uh, President Trump last night at the State of the Union Address, and I believe President Trump made reference to like stage four lung cancer, which is you know, there the different stages of of cancer one through four with one no cancer diagnosis is good but four is is the worst typically four means that it it has spread so um and I you know while Rush Limbaugh just said advanced cancer President Trump I believe said stage four but in any event this <clears throat> this is a you know it's a shock to a lot of the listeners and. Anybody who has either had cancer themselves or has had somebody close to them who's been affected by cancer, you understand that this is it's a terrible, terrible sort of disease. Well, okay, into this wades a teacher at the Milwaukee Public School System. And this story was apparently broken, um, up the dial by Mark Belling yesterday, but I have the press release from Bob Donovan about this. Let me, let me share with you a portion of Donovan's press release that just came out today. The Milwaukee Public School System makes much of the importance of inclusion, tolerance, diversity, and mutual respect. How then can it countenance the remarks made by Travis Sarandos, a teacher at the Milwaukee School of the Arts, via his Twitter account. Shortly after political commentator Rush Limbaugh told his listeners he had been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer, Mr. Sarandos took to Twitter and told his 1,323 followers that he was glad. Quote, Rush Limbaugh absolutely should have to suffer from cancer. End quote. He wrote in a post as lacking in proper English usage as it is intact. Quote, it's awesome that he's dying, and hopefully it is as quick and it is as quick as it is painful. And then Donovan continues, not content to confine his rage to pundits, Mr. Sarandos, this would be the teacher, Earlier, despaired for our collective future absent the extinction, the extinction, mind you, of Christian conservative voters as a possible remedy to their presence in the voting public. He suggested, quote, maybe we poison the communion wine. All right. Apparently, after this was exposed, the guy's now deactivated his Twitter account. Um, Donovan continues he's supposed to be an example of the inclusive tolerant and respectful spirit of the Milwaukee public schools. He is clearly nothing of the sort and he did not make his remarks in private. He made them on one of the most public of platforms where any of his students could easily have seen them in a referendum question on the spring ballot. The MPS system will shortly be asking all Milwaukee residents to raise their taxes for its benefit. Its representatives must surely know that one of the questions many have about approving this referendum is whether the system will be good stewards of the money provided. If the MPS system is aware of Mr. Sandoz's statements and has taken no corrective acti- action, it is hard to make the case that it has its own house in order. Mr. Sarandos, this is Donovan, Mr. Sarandos's ra- remarks deserve discipline. In the meanwhile, he has no business in an mps system classroom all right our number 855-616-1620 that is the Academic mortgage talk and text line so the guy's an english teacher in the mps school system he's at the uh, milwaukee school of the arts on his personal twitter account after the news of limbaugh's cancer diagnosis breaks he takes to twitter and says it's awesome he's dying and hopefully it is as quick as it is painful all right now that this has been exposed, he's deactivated the Twitter account. It is his personal account. It was not as far as I know done on school time, but he is easily identified as a Milwaukee Public School teacher. Here is my question. What should the school system do with this guy if if anything? And it may very well be that since he is a public employee, there's nothing that they can actually do. You know, we've heard stories like that before. Now, if he worked in the private sector, if he worked in a private school and he did something like this, you could whistle him in the next day and say, sorry, you're, you're gone. Because he's a public school employee, I'm not sure they can actually do anything to him. But assuming they could, what do you think should happen? Is this just a situation where you have a right to freedom of speech in this country, and if this guy wants to express these sort of, I think we would all agree, hateful kind of thoughts, he, he should have the absolute right to do it without any consequence. I mean, is that how you treat this? I will share with you where I come down on this, but what do you think should happen? And again, as a, as a legal matter, I think the school district probably has its hands tied because, again, given that he's a public employee, I'm not sure what they can do. He might be protected, but, But does that mean it's the right thing? All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think should happen? We discuss in just a moment.
0: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: 855-616-1620. All right, Guy's a teacher at the Milwaukee School of the Arts. He goes on Twitter. In response to the announcement that Rush Limbaugh has advanced lung cancer, he says it's awesome that he's dying. Hopefully, it's as quick as it is painful. Huh. Um, Rush Limbaugh absolutely should have to suffer from cancer. All right. This guy's teaching. This guy is teaching high school students what should happen, if anything. Bob and Waukesha. Bob, you're first. Hello. Good
3: afternoon, Jeff. What do you think? Well, uh, uh, secondarily, I, I agree with uh, Bob Donovan, and, and I too am sorry that he's leaving. Uh, primarily, uh, this—I uh, this man. I was going to say gentleman, but this man needs prayers.
1: The man being the teacher needs prayers.
3: That is correct. How how could he? Uh, the venom is just wow.
1: Yeah. No, it is. I guess you know anybody, you know Bob, who's ever had somebody close to them that has passed away as a result of cancer. If you if you understand that, you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. You know, I mean, you just you would much less somebody that you don't know and have never met, and you know, maybe you've listened to you know a little bit of their show. You're you're right. I mean, it's obviously a. It, to me, it's a sign of a sick, hateful individual, or at least somebody with the impulse control of a fruit fly. That you would post something like that because you think it's clever. It's not clever at all.
3: No, sir, it is not. I, I, I just can't fathom. I just can't fathom the, the venom. I, it's just beyond right. beyond belief.
1: Right. Exactly. No. Thanks for the call. I mean, and that's. I mean, eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. Look, I, I, I understand that that there's. All right, all all this, and and it's on the right and it's on the left. I I get it. There's this kind of like blind hatred that's out there. But to me, it says a lot that you would be that person that you hear somebody, even if it's somebody that you oppose or just stands for, all these different things that you just violently oppose you find out that they're suffering with a dreadful disease and you just wish them on it's kind of like you know there was the the college professor that was celebrating the fact that you know Barbara Bush died I mean where where do you find these people I mean seriously And, and how do they reach positions of prominence where you know we put them into classrooms let's talk to Tim Tim you're on WTMJ
3: Hey Jeff, how are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? You know, um, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, it's terrible what he said, but um, he didn't threaten them. He's just voicing his opinion, and you know, we didn't, we not, we're not touching. Him. If he's a good teacher, is does he get um, high marks for teaching his kids? I mean, that. I mean, I, I know that the two don't right. really fit hand in you know, but he didn't. He, he he didn't. He didn't threaten them, and I don't think it's against the law. Um, going after radio personalities, unfortunately for you. No, but the... um, you know, let's take a look at Rush Limbaugh over the years. I mean, he's he's taken some hard stances on a lot of things, and he's burned mm-hmm. a lot of bridges. Yep. So maybe this is just a guy who has an opportunity now to get even uh, with all the things that Rush Limbaugh had to openly speak about over the years. I don't know. I don't really know. Given his, but it is his
1: wrong. R- okay, Thank, I mean, see and that that look. That, that's the issue. I, if you are a public figure and and it, it's not. It's not to me so much this, that people have a right to criticize Limbaugh or or, or any talk show person Rachel Maddow, whatever, or Sean Hannity or Jeff Wagner. Of course you do. I mean, of course you do. That to me isn't the issue. Um, see, the, the First Amendment protects you from, you know, government interfering with the rights of freedom of speech. The First Amendment, though, doesn't mean that you don't have to, have to be aware of consequences of, of your speech. And, and like I say, I, trust me on this one. If, If I decided to launch into some hateful diatribe about somebody and on this program said similar things about about somebody, I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you that I don't know if I'd be fired, but I'd certainly be taken into, talked to, I'd been asked to publicly apologize, and I might be fired if I if I said something because you know it's kind of beyond the pale on those things. In many private sector situations, that's precisely what would happen. You know, if you did something like that, even though it's on your own Twitter account. If it reflects poorly on your employer, you know that there's going to be a degree of accountability. Now, in this particular case, like I say, because he's a public school teacher and because it was done on his own time, I'm not sure that there's anything MPS can do as far as being able to discipline him. Having said that, I, I think it is indicative, of if this is what passes for judgment from people, regardless of whether it's actionable, regardless of whether they can fire him or not, and I, like I say, I kind of doubt that they can, but regardless of that, if this is the type of guy that's in the classroom, you know, if if, the, if he's saying this stuff on his private Twitter account, can you imagine the types of things that that he's saying in the classroom? Moreover, this does not reflect well. Look, I, I understand that there's people you know who who hate Rush Limbaugh out there, who hate Tom Barrett, who hate you know Bob Donovan or whatever. I understand that they're out there. This does not reflect well on the MPS school system, especially at a time where you know you've got these movement afoot to try to end the school choice movement. Well, okay, this example A. Perhaps of, of why you don't want to end school choice because you want the option to your teacher for your kids to be taught by somebody other than this guy. So you've got that going on. As Donovan notes, you've got this MPS school referendum that's coming up where MPS is trying to talk about what a great job we do and how we're starved for money and we need more dough, and yet this is, you know, this is going to be part of the face of, of all this. I do I think he should be fired. I don't think they can do it. And even if they could, I'm not sure I would urge his firing. But this is definitely one where you whistle the guy in and you say, look, I understand this was on your own time. But do you understand how hurtful and how hateful this is? And do you understand that this, whether you intended it or not, this reflects on the MPS school system, it reflects on the school that you are teaching at as well, and yeah, you're going to have some people who are going right on, you know, you're you're telling them exactly the way it is, but you're going to have a lot of other people who think that you're nothing but a vicious hater, and that makes it more difficult for you to do your job, and it reflects poorly on us as an institution, so, I mean, it needs to have this conversation. Like I say, I don't think it's, I doubt that it's kind of actionable, but but if this is the school of thought that is going on in the MPS school system, like I said, when I started this conversation, it's, it's kind of an example why it's nice that we have school choice as an option. So parents who maybe don't want to expose their children to people who think like this, maybe, you know, they have other choices that are out there. Is anything going to happen to this guy? I tend to doubt it tend to doubt it. But the other lesson here for for everybody, whether you're a public school teacher or a private school teacher or somebody working for a corporation somewhere or whatever, when you put these things out there, it's not like you're just sitting around having a beer with a couple of your pals on a Friday night and you get the spout off and oh. So and so, I hate so and so. They, they just got diagnosed with this disease. I, or so and so just died. I'm glad they're dead. You know, it's not like you're just saying that to two or three people. When you decide to take your opinions to social media, what you have to recognize is it's not just you and a couple of your drunken buddies, you know, sitting around on a Friday night. What it is, is you're exposing this to the entire world, which means you're exposing yourself and In many cases, your employer to the whole world. So I I think at a very very minimum, they need to counsel this guy out. An apology would be in order if it's sincere, but I'm not sure this guy would be sincere about that. But nevertheless, this is the type of stuff that's out there. And again, anybody, I don't care what you think about Limbaugh. Who was uh, the uh, actress, uh, Sharon Doherty? Shannon Doherty? She was on TV earlier this week. You know, she's got, she's, she'd been bi- battling breast cancer. She's back saying that she um, has stage four cancer as well, which is again, the mo- most serious sort of thing. And she was doing interviews about that. Look, I, I don't care if you, maybe you don't like Shannon Doherty. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Maybe you thought she was a terrible actress or whatever. But, you know, when you hear that these people are fighting these deadly diseases, you know, what type of person goes out and wishes them ill? That 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 reflects a lot about you. So you know, maybe you think it, but probably best not to say it, and certainly best not to tweet it. If you want to see Donovan's letter in its entirety and a little bit more on the story, if you follow me, it's H F Wagner six twenty on Twitter. I've got a link to that as well. And as I started off, I'm I'm going to miss Bob Donovan because I'm willing to bet that there's not too many people in the Milwaukee Common Council who would highlight this issue. Just saying.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is The Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Melissa, I blame this on you. I blame this on you. Uh-oh. You start off, you do your newscast. <laughs> no. You are such an electric, powerful personality. That's right. That's right. That we have this huge power <laughs> surge. <laughs> the lights flicker. All the monitors go out. Our internet is down, and I'm pretty sure the phone lines aren't working. And you again. couldn't
2: even tell during my newscast that all of that was going all, on. All that you? was
1: going down. <laughs> no, and it, and it's just you know the the interesting thing, and I we you know we pull back the curtain from mm-hmm, time to time mm-hmm. and share this with folks we we changed the phone number. You know we used to use this phone number for years and years and years. We we changed it because it was old technology and it wasn't supported by the phone company it was expensive we changed it to th- that that's why we it's 8556161620 we changed this so we could avoid having the, these problems, right? And um, we've had a couple of these in the last week. Yeah, well, yes, a couple a, weeks, right? Last couple weeks, yes. And, and so now, see, now what happens is, I, I learned the hard way because the first time this happened a couple weeks ago, and I with the, with the new phone lines, I'm doing the program and I'm throwing out the numbers and stuff, and there, there's like no calls, which never happens. You know, we always a pretty good call volume. On People this always show. want
2: to call you yeah. and tell you what they're, they're thinking. Yeah. yeah,
1: and so I'm like, there's no calls, and this, I mean, and you're like, this what, is so weird. It is weird. What, what is what is going on? <laughs> what am I and I'm doing? Thinking, is this me or what, what's happening? And <laughs> right. and then, you know, after about a half hour or so, we figure out, well, it, it might be me, but it, it really, you, if people yeah. are trying to call in, they they can't because the phone lines are down and um, I think the same thing has happened. So I, I've now started to learn because I see we've lost all our internet and I have my mm-hmm. phone here. I think I'm going to just call the number just to see what's happening. And you call the number and it just, you get like dot, 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 and then it clicks. so um, Well,
5: this is what we were trying to prevent from this happening yes
1: (laughs) right right, it's now the it's now the technology but it was like a power surge that appears to have knocked all this stuff out so we we will continue but for at least the foreseeable future, I'm not going to give out the phone number because you're not going to be able to call and participate. So we're going to rejigger the program a little bit. So a couple of these, like, caller-driven topics, we'll kind of push them off to the side. And So if you're wondering, why isn't he asking for phone calls or why isn't he taking phone calls, it's because we can't do that right now. It'll all work out. Heart disease, leading cause of death in the United States. Chances are you or someone you know is affected by it. Please join our very own Gene Miller for our latest WTM cares initiative help us raise funds for a local chapter of the american heart association this all leads up to national wear red day on friday february 7th go to wtmj.com for more details wtmj cares is powered by watry industries and premier aluminum i uh i predicted this was going to happen Yesterday, or at least I predicted it was going to happen soon. I, I didn't necessarily know that it was going to happen as quickly as it ended up doing as uh, quickly as it ended up occurring. But it's, it's really it, it's no surprise. Late last week, uh, a number of employees who work for the Milwaukee 2020 host committee. Now, this is the host committee for the Democratic National Convention. These are not employees of, you know, the, the Democratic National Committee. This is – it's a separate group. It's the host employees. They're the host committee, and there's – there's a number of committee members, but basically that, that's name on it. Tom Barrett's on it. Gwen Moore's on it. Herb Cole's on it. Ron Kine's on it. it it's predominantly, not exclusively, but predominantly like high-profile elected Democratic politicians and some people from the business community. That's the, the overall host community, committee. and And what the host committee is supposed to do is they're supposed to fundraise because – To put on the DNC in Milwaukee, you're going to need about $70 million, and that is not an easy thing to do. So you've got to go out to businesses. You've got to solicit donations. You're also going to need about 15,000 volunteers, and and that's – you know that's a struggle as well because you know people might think it's cool to to be that, but you have to you have to have a network, you have to be able to tie in and find people who are going to come in, and you have to have an organization that says, okay, this is this is this volunteer group, and this is where we're going to put them, et cetera, et cetera. So you've got all that stuff that's going on. So you you need the, the committee to be uh, you know hitting on all cylinders. The committee. Was What they do is, is they they hire professional people to put this together, and they tend to be political operatives. And for whatever reason, when they were putting together, the host committee was putting together people, they're going to run it. They They hired a woman named Liz Gilbert to be the president. She's a political operative, a Democratic political operative out of New Jersey. Her chief of staff, her number two guy, was a guy named Adam Alonzo, who was also a political operative out of New Jersey. And he, by all accounts, seems to be a real piece of work. In any event, there's been a degree of controversy since they hit Milwaukee because they apparently were continuing their work in, in New Jersey and... And there were some people who, particularly with the case of the guy Alonzo, weren't very happy. They said he was like strong arming people for contributions to political candidates in New Jersey, et cetera, et cetera. So th- that's been a degree of controversy. Nonetheless, the host committee was off to a pretty good start. They got to raise 70 million. They had raised 25 million by the end of last year. So that, those are good numbers. That's a positive sort of thing. Well, apparently what's happened is you've got the paid staff or at least members in the paid staff that are in absolute – they're essentially having a revolt. And, you know, they were sending letters complaining about particularly the females – but I don't think exclusively, complaining about the hostile work environment that was created by this Adam Alonzo and then saying, hey, we've gone to the president, this Liz Gilbert, to try to get him to deal with this, and she hasn't done anything, and she's kind of defended it, and now we've got these people who are quitting or can't work here. Well, okay, this is not the image First of all, that the Democratic National Committee wants to have for the Democratic National Convention a hostile work environment towards women. I don't know the merits of it or not. All I know is that you had some of these employees who had these significant complaints. And apparently the complaints were significant enough that that last week what ended up happening is that they hired an attorney. Actually, they hired a couple, different, it turns out, a couple different law firms. I know one of the attorneys who's involved in this to come in and to investigate the complaints that were made uh, against the, these higher-ups. At the same time, they also suspended the guy, Alonzo, with pay. This was the first thing. And while they didn't suspend the president, they... um <coughs> They, they told her don't come into the office, don't interact with the staff, which is effectively like suspensions and we 're going to do this pending the investigation. Well, the problem you have with this is the clock is tick tick ticking, and you know the Democratic National Convention is going to come off in in July, and before that you you need to raise money, you need to get all the volunteers and to have a situation where the people who are at the top of being in charge of doing this suddenly are under this cloud and are told, don't come into the office or are on suspension, it, it, it really, it sets your fundraising back because you, you need people that are going to be able to go out and and be the face of this committee, which would have been presumably Alonzo and this Liz Gilbert. They're the ones that are going to go meet with the, the people that can write the $2 million checks. Pottawatomie contributed you know, $2 million. You need that person who could go in and sit in that room and talk to whoever it is at Pottawatomie that makes that decision and get them to make a commitment for $2 million. You need people on board to do that. And when the president and the chief of staff are under the this cloud, it's tough to to have that happen. So the development between when we talked about this yesterday and today is they have now fired both of these people, you know, the, the investigation's not complete, the investigation's going on, but I think they've made the decision that, you know, time is of the essence here and, and we're going to let them go. So we're going to, we're getting rid of them and we're going to, I think they've at least temporarily elevated somebody from the staff. My guess is they're going to be trying to find somebody, Probably somebody local who has a degree of gravitas who can at least be the face of this committee and can try to salvage some of this stuff so that, you know, at least if they go into one of these boardrooms or one of these businesses or whatever, and they're trying to ask the person to, on behalf of the business to write a check for a million or two million or five million or whatever, that, it, that it's somebody that's at least known. Now, again, I don't know anything about the merits of of the complaints against the, this upper leadership. I don't know whether it's true or not. I just know that this is not a good thing because it's gotta set your fundraising back. And and that's, I, I think, clearly what's happened here. I, I give them credit for trying to deal with this quickly And and at least figure out, okay, what is our plan B going to be? Because this is hard to do. For people, for example, who criticize Don Smiley. Don Smiley at Summerfest makes all this money. Okay, yeah, he does. But, you know, one of the things that Don Smiley does, as well as anybody I've ever seen, he's great at fundraising. He's great at going to businesses and getting in the room and convincing this business or that business that you should sponsor this stage or you should make a long-term commitment to help us rebuild the amphitheater or whatever. Those those people are hard to find people who are good at that are hard to find and typically it takes years to develop the relationships you need to raise that kind of money that's just the reality of it and that's why when you find somebody who's good at that they are worth their weight in gold and you want to keep them in this particular situation i don't know where that person is where their person's going to come from but it appears that there's you know no choice other than to, you know, make this decision, so it's not good news. But I applaud the host committee for recognizing they had a problem and and moving on. And hopefully they'll they'll find again somebody with a degree of gravitas to take up the committee. Because look, I, it's not my side of the aisle, but I want it to go well. I mean, we we want Milwaukee to look good next July. We want this to be an incredible success doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat or something in between you want this to be a success and I hope they
0: can turn this around this is Jeff Wagner Jeff Wagner on WTMJ
1: grew you are asking the wrong question my producer grew today and always says during the break isn't it funny how, you know, the engineers can just be having a normal day and all of a sudden the lights flicker and all chaos breaks out. If you're if just doing it, our phone lines are we had a power surge right during Melissa's newscast. And the Internet went out. The Internet has now come back. So we can now take texts. Um, but I think our streaming service is down and you definitely can't call in. Phone lines still aren't working. So, Gru, you asked the question, what about the engineers? They just can't have a normal day. That's your question. Right. OK, Mike, what what if? Forget the engineers. What about me? (laughs) Gee, can't Jeff just have a normal day? He spends all this time preparing to do a talk radio show where you're going to, like, interact with the listeners and things like that. And then there's a power surge, and boom, you can't take any phone calls or anything. What about me? (laughs) These are always the fun memorable days, though. Um, well, they are the memorable days. I, you know, it, no, actually, the, the thing is, twenty years ago, it would have bothered me. Now, it's just kind of like, okay, well, we'll we'll just we'll just we'll
4: just do it. This ha- there must have been some sort of car accident because that's always the story. This happened like two ish months ago, uh, maybe uh, I don't know how long ago. Last season, during the Bucks game, some sort of accident happened outside. We lost total connection with the Bucks radio network. Ted Davis had to call the game while on his cell phone for the first like half of the quarter it was insane it was like i've never done this in my professional life ever
1: Uh, well you know i i mean i can remember back i mean back when i started i can remember being on remote locations and something would happen and i can remember like on my cell phone trying to do the show and it just you know because there just there wasn't anybody back here to to do the things and all that and it's just you know you but it is funny 20 years ago i get upset nowadays you're on this remote and something happens and it's like Okay, well, just nothing I can do. I, I, I can, I can do the talk show. I can be prepared to interact with folks. I could be prepared to be entertaining. I can't get ourselves up on the air or I can't make the phones work or anything like that. So it's, right. but, but hang in there. Our streaming is back up, I am told. So again, we can accept texts, but the phones once again are dead. And again, the irony is we switched over to this new phone system and the new number because. Well, you know, we, we wanted this new up-to-date stuff. Um, interesting story in in the paper today, and it, it it goes to a point that I have been making for quite a while about the, the future of shopping and retail and things like that in, in this area. If you're a regular listener, you know, I grew up in Glendale, And I mean when we moved here when I was like nine or ten years old, we lived about my parents lived about a mile from what Bayshore Shopping Center. So I've seen all the changes that Bayshore Shopping Center made. When when I first moved here, it was an outdoor, L shaped kind of strip mall that had a Sears on one end and a Boston store in the middle and a grocery store on the other side. And over the years Bayshore has gone through a lot of changes. It back when enclosed malls were big, they they built the enclosed mall and then you know, you had the whole town center concept and, and and, and Bayshore is trying to reinvent itself, and it's—I mean, right now, let's be honest—they they are struggling. A vast—you got—you got businesses that are moving out. You got one restaurant after another that it's closing or moving. Some because they're not generating business there. Others, like Bar Louis because the company goes out of business, goes declares bankruptcy. But it, but it's been a problem. You've got vacant storefront after vacant storefront. And the, the more you have that, and I understand Bayshore says, well, we're going to try to cut back on the number of retail shops and we, we want to go to more apartments and more businesses. That, that's all well and good. But at some point in time, if you don't have stuff that's going to bring people in, you, you know, you, you end up with a ghost town. And, And right now, they're in the heading towards a ghost town, you know, mode. Not saying there's not still stuff there, but there's a lot less stuff. Anyhow, the story that's coming out is, and they want to go to the office building mode. Well, at Bayshore, they, they have a lot of offices. Sometimes people lose track of that, but particularly along, along Silver Spring, right off outside of, of Trader Joe's, just to be to the east, there's this, this building. And, um, what happens is there, there's some people who have permanent offices, but a lot of that space is leased to a company called Regus. Regus is a, is a, they provide short-term office space. So let's say, Let's say you're a lawyer and um you you want like a satellite office, you're you're a sole practitioner, and you, you have what you can do is you can rent office space there. So you're not renting it from the building, you're renting it on short term from the company. And what they do is they'll provide you a receptionist and you've got a place where you can get your mail or things like that, but you don't have to sign a lease yourself. It's a short term thing. Well, What's happened is Regus has announced that they're pulling out of, of Bayshore. Um, they lease about, like, 18,000 square feet in the Bayshore office building, and they say they're pulling out, which means they're going to be taking all their tenants with them. Again, is, is this a permanent blow to Bayshore? No, but it's another one of these examples of a business that's that's struggling. And, and again, you know, you you want a critical mass, You know, if, if you're going to, whether it's a housing place or one of the, if the model is we're going to have retail and we're going to have residential and we're going to have business that's all there, that, that's great. But, but you need a certain critical mass. You need people that are there. And the more and more businesses, retail shops that pull out, The more and more restaurants that pull out and now the more and more tenants that pull out of the office building, the more difficult it is to build that critical mass. So it seems like right now, you know, Bayshore is just in one of these cycles where, you know, nothing they're doing is working. Two years from now, maybe that'll be different. For those of us who grew up in Glendale, we can only hope. Back with more in just a minute.
0: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: So, very glad to have you with us. Sometime this afternoon, the Senate will vote to acquit President Trump on the charges against him in connection with the impeachment. It looks like it's going to be 52 to 48. Um, Mitt Romney Mitt Romney, has announced that he is going to vote to convict President Trump. And this is... Um, I'm, I'm sure part of it is a vote of conscience on pe- behalf of Mitt Romney, but Mitt Romney and Donald Trump despise each other, and that—that and that is perhaps an understatement. They, they just absolutely despise each other, and I, I have no doubt that this is in part – you know, Mitt Romney's chance to stick it to President Trump, and he's been doing that. He did it with the witness vote. And, you know, whether it's appropriate or not, don't, don't know. But he's, um, he's announced that he's going to vote in favor of removing the president from office. You need two thirds. So you would need massive defections among the Republicans. The other Republicans who, senators who were viewed as um, p- potential swing votes, and you were never going to get 66 or 67 votes. That was never going to happen. But there were a couple, Susan Collins from Maine, um, Lisa Murkowski, from Alaska they've all said that they're going to vote against this um, on the Democratic side it will be I think pretty much along party lines I thought there was a chance that you might have a couple Democrats who broke rank particularly on the the second impeachment count which was obstruction of Congress which is a much much less solid account. It's like, well, he didn't respond to our subpoenas. Well, okay, if that's going to be the basis to start impeaching presidents in the future, just, just Katie bar the door, look out on that. But one, the one Democrat that in particular I think a lot of people thought might go the other way is Doug Jones. He's the state senator, he's the senator from Alabama who is, is pretty much there as an accident of, of electoral politics. Alabama, extremely Republican. The only reason Doug Jones got elected was that, um, the Republican party in Alabama for a special election, they ended up nominating that, that crazy judge. And he he ended up losing. Doug Jones is up for re-election this November. In all likelihood, he's going to lose his seat. So there there were some people who thought, OK, well, maybe Jones, rep- recognizing that his constituents probably aren't in favor of impeachment because Alabama is going to go for Donald Trump in a big way. He might vote that way. He's going to vote with the party. So it, it appears, like I say, 52 48 the impeachment vote is going to fall far, far short of what's going to need to remove the president. And then tomorrow, it's probably going to be business as usual. OK, now, at this point in time, I normally open up the phone lines to discuss last night's State of the Union. But like I said, we're phone lines are down at the moment. People are working on that. But I, I'll offer you I'll offer you my comments on this. I thought, first of all, I did. I watched. A good portion of it, I admit, I was flipping back and forth. I was watching part of the Bucks game as well. Bucks game was really good last night. I mean, Giannis going up against Zion Williams, Williamson, really, very, very good game. And the Bucks, they're the real deal, no question about it. Um, of course, you had drama in the state of the Union address, most notably the interactions between President Trump and Nancy Pelosi. Um, Trump walks in, she extends her hand, he turns his back. He he had no business, he was and no intention of shaking her hand. So that's how the whole thing got started. And candidly, I I understand why the president took that position. I mean, if for the you, you've got a woman who for the last x number of months at every chance has been calling you a crook and saying that, you know, you're the most corrupt president in American history and you need to be removed, I understand why okay you're not necessarily thrilled about making nice with her. Then of course what she does is she shortens the traditional introduction of the president in a way to jab him and then in the perhaps the, the moment that's getting the most attention after he gets done with the speech, she stands up and apparently she has the official version of she's been given the official version of the State of the Union that apparently belongs to the House of Representatives she makes a public point of, of tearing this up I I, I watch this and look I I understand it's not going to change anybody's opinion on anything I, I get all that at the same time though I have to admit I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about Nancy Pelosi how very childish now should President Trump have shook, shaken her hand yeah, I think he probably should have. I think that's one where I understand why he didn't, but that's one where you want to be the bigger person, you want to shake her hand. But that, that stuff about tearing up the speech, I understand that she thinks that's appealing to her base. But I'll tell you something. That is going to be a Republican campaign act. And if I were a Democrat congressman run or woman running in one of these swing districts that could go either way or a district that Donald Trump won in 2016, I would have been cringing because that's going to be a 30-second TV ad. The, the, the reason the Democrats were able to retake the House of Representatives wasn't the, the crazy AOCs of the world. I mean, those they, they, they weren't winning districts that Republicans had any chance on. The reason that the, Republic, the Democrats were able to take back the House of Representatives is that they had... A number of moderate Democrats who were able to win in districts that the president carried in 2016 and and yet they were able to win in 2018 but it doesn't change the nature of those districts in every one of those districts if I worked for the Republican National Committee I'd be taking the the picture of Nancy Pelosi tearing up the State of the Union and I would be running that as an ad against every one of those Democratic congressmen or congresswomen who won one of those uh, closely held districts. Now, like I say, that might be great in San Francisco, and it might be great in New York City, and oh, isn't this tremendous? I'm not sure how that's going to play in a lot of other people, because to, in a lot of other areas, because to me it looked spo- spoiled, it looked petulant, and I think she is going to come to regret doing that there's all sorts of ways that she could have gotten her message across and she sort of did by dissing the president with the way she introduced him but I mean I I was sitting there watching this and I get it started with him refusing to shake her hand I understand why he did it but I'm watching this going really and then the the tearing up of the speech I'm thinking man you wouldn't be able to get away with this in a fourth-grade classroom and yet You know, this is what's going on in Washington politics. And again, I understand some people are going to be going, you go, girl. That was the greatest thing. I believe she is going to come to regret that as time moves on. We'll see. Back with more in
0: just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. uh...
1: This week's sponsor, of the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank, is the Washington County Builders Association. Stop by the Washington County Fair Park on February 7th, that's this Friday, through February 9th, that's Sunday, for the 2020 WCBA Home Building and Remodeling Expo. They've got a great fish fry that they have on Friday night, a visit from WTMJ's very own Mr. Fix-It, Tom Faso, on Saturday. He'll be there from 11 to 1, and a birdhouse or toolbox building station for the kids, plus all these great... Great displays. If you're thinking about a remodeling project, you're looking for ideas. Why go to all these different places? Go out to the Washington County Builders Association event. It is this weekend. Um, it is at the Washington County Fair Park. Again, Friday through Sunday, February 7th through the 9th. Um number of texts on the State of the Union. I absolutely love the State of the Union. Felt so good seeing Nancy Pelosi want to crawl out of her own skin, especially considering that President Trump will be acquitted today. Rough 24 hours for her, but she's brought it on herself uh let's see jeff fantastic state of the union speech last night a true high point of this administration democrats looked extra silly like children having a temper tantrum on the heels of the epic fail iowa caucus energetic and polarizing that's steve from greenfield i i i I thought it was a little long but otherwise um you know Beyond that, I I think he did a good job. Jeff, I felt that Trump was great last night. He does better off a script. Yeah, I felt that Pelosi was petty and immature. If the Democrats don't think that Trump can be reelected, they have another think coming. Uh, Jeff, can't Pelosi's behavior be considered damage to public property? Well, I mean, we're not going to go down that route. I mean, it's no, she's not going to be prosecuted for tearing up the speech. But I, I thought it was a... I thought it was a no class move. I guess is the way to say it. And I understand people are going to say, "Well, Donald Trump has has no class." Um, But beyond that, last night I I think Trump comes off much better than Nancy Pelosi does. All right, the other big political event of the last now you know forty eight hours has been the the debacle at the Iowa caucuses, and it's really not getting any better. Um, they, They still. Two or three days after the fact, they they still don't have all the results. They've got about three quarters of the results in, and it appears that uh, Pete Buttigieg and um, and Bernie Sanders are the big winners. Both of them ending up with um, like like twenty some delegates, something like that. And you, you've got Elizabeth Warren who came in third. Buttigieg and uh, Biden, uh, Buttigieg and Bernie. They're going to get ten delegates. It looks like you're going to have Elizabeth Warren, who's going to get four, and everybody else is going to you know, kind of get shut out. The big loser, really, really easy to see, and and that is Joe Biden. And a lot of people are are just wondering, you know what what the heck has happened here? Because it, it's it's only the Iowa caucus. There's no question about it. But you know, Joe Biden was. And he still nationally, he still does extremely well. But Joe Biden, there there was this degree of inevitability. Joe Biden is going to set himself up as the, the moderate alternative to like crazy Bernie Sanders or crazy Elizabeth Warren. But but Biden he's just spinning his wheels um you know no delegates at all in iowa if you look at the new hampshire polls he's he's not doing well there now after new hampshire you go to south carolina you go to a couple other places and he might end up doing a little bit better but right now the the biden campaign is not doing well at all and my guess is there's kind of the sound of flop sweat that's going on out there and it's interesting because biden's failure is scaring the cheese out of a lot of Democrats. James Carville, and you know everybody knows James Carville. He was, he's he's the the guy, the southern guy, who was the architect of the, the Bill Clinton years, and very very outspoken. He's got the conservative wife, Mary Madeline, and you know Carville's going around and, and he's saying, um, he, the problem with Bernie is he says he's scared to death. Of the direction the party is going. You know, he's on MSNBC saying, look, um, you know, I'm scared to death. Let's get relevant. All the Sanders people are taking pictures wishing Jeremy Corbyn, the guy, the best. I don't want to go down that path. And, and what, what Carvel understands that some of the Democrat activists don't do is this is essentially, it's a centrist country. It's a center left or a center right country, but it's not a socialist country. And I think Carvel is looking at this and saying, you know, have, have we lost our mind? I understand you've got this, this army of Bernie Sanders supporters who are out there and they're dissing Joe Biden and they're dissing Hillary Clinton all this type of stuff. But don't they recognize that that's a big part of the Democrat Party as well? And this is one of those deals where if you marginalize yourself, and I, I think of 1972 where you had – Richard Nixon, who was not a warm and friendly guy, he runs against George McGovern, even at the height of the Vietnam War, with all these people unhappy about the Vietnam War. And, and Nixon wins in a landslide because the country wasn't ready to go far left with George McGovern. You're perhaps looking at the same sort of thing, and Carvel Carvel gets that. But the real story is who's going to emerge to challenge the Bernie Sanders wing if Joe Biden... You know, can't get any sort of traction. Why can't Biden get traction? You know, we'll do a topic about that sometime when, when the phone lines are working. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. But part of it is, despite his experience, he he just looks old to me. And, and, you know, Bernie Sanders, I understand Bernie Sanders is older. Bernie Sanders would be 80 on on Inauguration Day. But Bernie's got this fire in his belly and this kind of now I admit it's sort of crazy, but he's got this kind of crazy anger railing at the society and stuff. You know, every time I see Joe Biden, he's he's making slips. You know, He's making verbal mistakes. He looks to me tired. He looks a little bit disoriented. And I think that there's some people who are saying, gee, we wonder if he's up for the job. And it's not just a function of of age, because, like I say, you look at Bernie Sanders and and he's older than Joe Biden, but but he's got that fire in the belly. You kind of wonder about Biden, where this is going to go. And unless Biden turns this around, um, this this battle could be over before people think and it could go the Bernie Sanders way. And that's going to be well, it's going to be good for the Republican Party and it's going to be particularly. Really good for Donald Trump. Back with more in just a minute.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show, and now WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. If you're just tuning in, we had a power surge here at the station about an hour or so ago. It knocked out our internet. That's now back, but it's also knocked out our phone lines. So. We cannot accept phone calls. So if you're going, gee, I'm, I'm used to listening to you Jeff and you're always throwing out the phone number and you're always talking to people. Well, that was the plan, but can't execute that right now. And during the break, I was talking to our engineers and they're like, well we're, we're working on it, but apparently it's something that happened outside the building and kind of beyond our control, but we will uh, we will persevere on all this. All right. Last night there was i mean the State of the Union was i thought an interesting thing of course what 's getting all the attention is the the, the, the sort of sideshow the fact that president trump didn 't want to shake nancy pelosi 's hand the fact that she then you know tore up the the speech, which I thought was um, I, I thought that was childish in the extreme, and I think that that's going to come back to, to haunt her. One of the other things that, that happened that's getting a bunch of attention is the fact that Frank Gutenberg, he's the father of, of Jamie Gutenberg, who was killed at, at the Park Lawn shooting. He was um, he was in. In the, the audience, he had been a, a guest of, of Nancy Pelosi's. Now, let's understand what's happening here. James Guten, Frank Gutenberg has been – I, I understand, he, he lost a child. And, and you know, your, your, your heart goes out to him. And he's become a, a huge advocate for gun control and things of the like. And, and I get it. I, I understand he's out there. Nancy Pelosi brought him as one of her guests for the State of the Union – because she wanted to show up President Trump. Let, let's understand that's that's what's going on. And, you know, she wanted, uh, again, to to use Mr. Gutenberg. <laughs> so, you know, when President Trump's talking about the Second Amendment or whatever, one of the cameras to be on him. So, I mean, she wanted to use him as a prop. Now, I, he he knows what's going on, and, and he wanted to be there as well. So I, I, I get it. I understand what's going on. But what happened is he becomes during the State of the Union, progressively more agitated. And, you know, when, when President Trump was talking about, you know, immigrants committing crimes, he, he's like, okay, well, you know, I mean, he's thinking about what 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 about, you know, the other people that commit crimes. And when President Trump said gun rights were under siege all across our country, um, at that point in time, Mr. Gutenberg decides that he's going to disrupt the event, and he starts screaming stuff out. He says my emotions were stewing. Um I I was upset. And then he roars out after President Trump says, as long as I am president, I will always protect your Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms. So he he's he's shouting out. He's a guest in the gallery. He's he's shouting things out. And at which point in time uh, they, they have security that quickly moves in and takes him out of the, the gallery at that point in time you have a number of the Democrats particularly a lot of the female congressmen wearing white they all stand up and they, they look around and then they start applauding as the guy is is hauled out not applauding that he's being hauled out but applauding him for disrupting the speech I mean really at that point in time what happens to mr. Gutenberg is that they take him out they they handcuff him and they detain him. And so he's held for, you know, a couple hours for disrupting the, the event. And I, I think that there was probably a debate going on as to you know, do we bring charges against him, et cetera? Now that was pro- that was never going to happen, and it probably shouldn't have happened. But at, at the same time, now they're reporting about how he was he was handcuffed after he was taken out of the, the chambers. He was sat down. He was held in custody. Um, he says, "Well, the police were, were cordial." He said, I, "I understand they're just kind of doing their job," um, but. He's now being held up as this example of, oh, look at what goes on here. You know, you stand up and you speak out, and things happen. To which my response would be, what did you think was going to happen when you're an invited guest at the State of the Union address, and you decide that you're you're going to start screaming out stuff? And I understand. Where he's coming from, I understand he feels strongly about these different matters, but there is a time and a place for everything. And if you're an invited guest at this thing, you don't have a right to stand up and try to disrupt the thing. And if you do, you have to expect that there's going to be certain consequences. Now, to his credit, he's not out there today. Blasting the Capitol Police or people like that. He says, Tonight was a rough night. I disrupted the State of the Union. I was detained because I let my emotions get the best of me. I simply want to be able to deal with the reality of gun violence and not have to listen to the lies about the Second Amendment as happened tonight. Well, okay, if that's how he feels, maybe he should not have come to the State of the Union address in the first place. I mean, maybe if he's not going to be able to control his emotions... Showing up and going through all this and being unable to control himself and then, you know, making himself the center of this event. May- maybe he should have decided to stay home in, in the first place. He then went on to send out a tweet. I should not have yelled out. I'm thankful for the overwhelming support I'm receiving. However, I do owe my family and friends an apology. Well, I would say he owes a lot of other people, an apology as well. He says, I've tried to conduct myself with dignity throughout this process, and I will do better as I pursue gun safety. And and that – I think, again, that that's the the key here, because when you have these people that disrupt things and act out, I don't know that it brings anybody over to your cause. And like I say, I'm sure there were some people saying, you know, you go, go, guy. You know, you try to shout down the president. But it wasn't the time and it wasn't the place for it. Yeah, he deserved to get hauled out. And yes, he deserved to get detained. And now you end up moving on. And that's all the appropriate things. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It is a miracle of
1: modern engineering. Our phone lines are back up after being down for about an hour and a half. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. The This has been a particularly bad flu season. Story in the local newspaper. Now, of course, I mean, everybody's talking about the coronavirus. And now we have the first confirmed case in Wisconsin, somebody who had traveled to the Wuhan area of China. All right. But but yes, the coronavirus is serious. And yes, we want to stop it from spreading. But from September 1st through the end of last month, the health department recorded 281 flu hospitalizations. More than half of those were hospitalized in the month of January. Now that's, that's up. Last year, same period, there were 70 cases. Now you've got 281 cases that are there. Um, Powerful strain of the flu, so when people have gotten the flu, it has affected them them worse nationwide. 68 children have died from the flu. About 19 million people have been sickened this season, according to the Center for Disease Control. So, I mean, the reality is for most people, you get the flu, and you just maybe you're going to wish you were dead, but you're not going to die. You're going to be sick for a couple of days, and then you're going to ultimately get better. For small children or older people that have compromised immune systems, that the flu can, in fact, be, be fatal. All right, now, the, the reason I bring this up is because there's still time to get a flu shot and i guess i'm i'm kind of stunned by this because nationwide the the goal of flu shots that they, they they hope to have about 70% of people vaccinated. They, they, again, we, we talk about this kind of herd mentality and the experts say if, if you get a certain percentage of people that get the shot, that's going to probably stop other people from getting it. But, but you need people to buy into this and you need about 70% participation to get that kind of herd mentality. Um, they estimate that in Milwaukee, okay, 70% is the goal. They estimate that 38% of Milwaukee residents have gotten the flu shot, 38%. So they're, they're almost 50% below where they want to be. They want 70%. They've got 38%. People, for whatever reason, not getting the flu shot, and as a result, You know, you've seen more and more people apparently getting the flu, and in some cases, you know, people having to be hospitalized because of it. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. I I swear, this is one, and whenever we talk about this, I, I legitimately, I do not understand why normal, healthy people don't make the decision to get the flu shot. It's easy. You know, nowadays you, you can get it at pretty much any drugstore. They, they will give flu shots. If you've got insurance, it is covered by the insurance. You, know, you can walk into a Walgreens. You can walk into a CVS. You can go visit your doctor. I get mine every fall when I, when I go see my doctor. They're not that expensive. And for most people, well, there's not going to be a complication. Now, I understand that there's a, a certain subset of people out there that maybe have a bad reaction to the flu shot. But let's face it, that's that's not most people. That's going to be that 1% or 2 or 3% of, of the population, and chances are those people know who they are. For me, it's an easy decision because, believe it or not, I trust my doctor. My doctor says, hey, it's the flu shot. You want the flu shot? Go get it. You should have it. Let me bring the nurse in. And I say, Sure. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let us discuss the flu shots. I have to tell you, I just think, I think for most people, unless you've got some sort of special medical condition, I, I do not understand why you are not getting the flu shot and why you would risk getting sick. And I understand the flu shot's not perfect, and the flu shot doesn't guarantee that you might not get the flu and it might not be some other strain. But to the extent that it limits or gives you a better chance of not getting sick with the flu, why wouldn't you do it? And 62% of Milwaukee making the decision not to do it What could that all be about? All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let us discuss this. Those of you who are out there who who never get the flu shot, I'm curious legitimately as to why you make that decision. And similarly, for if you're like me and you get the flu shot, why why do you decide to do that? And what do you think about the fact that, I don't know, 62% of the population of Milwaukee is deciding not to do what we do, which is get the flu shot? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. We'll back with more in just a minute. It's
0: 2:24. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad
1: to have you with us, Sean in Germantown. Your first good afternoon. Hey, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Okay, well, let's talk about the flu shot. Should people get it?
4: Yes, they should absolutely get it. Um there's no reason why people shouldn't get it and unless like you said you have a reaction to it. Um, just getting a mild fever or anything like that is not a reaction. There are people that do get serious reactions to it. But if you are, like you said, 98, 97% of the people getting it is better than not getting it. I can't believe that only 38% of the people get it. Uh, that's crazy to me. Yeah. Because, I mean, you get it, at least you have some sort of protection against the flu. If you don't get it, you have no protection at all. So I don't know why you wouldn't get it.
1: Now, Sean, my note says that you're you're a nurse. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so do you I mean, I, I assume you encourage people to, to get the flu shot. That's certainly what my doctor does. He says, hey, have you had your flu shot yet? Uh, so I, I assume where you work, they're, they're, they encourage people to do that, right?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all the employees need to get it. Um, it's mandatory unless there's you know, a form that you have to fill out, but we do tell all of our patients um, to get it. I'm a nurse at Children's, and what people do at, at the ER and Children's is that they offer, it, offer the flu shot to kids who come into the ER um, because it's a chance to get it to them. Um, yeah get them the the vaccine that they may not get otherwise um and that is a program they started a couple years ago and um i mean it's it's thousands of kids that they're vaccinating now that they never did in the past so um like i said there's really no reason to not get it um and we do and it's not just a flu vaccine we tell you know all vaccines are safe i know there's the whole
1: (laughs) yeah we're um, not even gonna go down the measles and mumps thing
4: (laughs) yes but for flu vaccines there's absolutely no reason if you're a healthy individual, why you shouldn't get it. And th- like you said, there is is still time to get it, and the flu is very bad this year. So if you haven't gotten it, I would encourage anybody to go out and get it.
1: Thanks, calling. And, again, it's just and, – and, look, and I understand it's not perfect. I, I get that. I'm getting a number of texts from people saying, well, I've never had one and I've never gotten the flu. Well, okay, and that that's that's great. And believe me, I, I, hope, I hope that that is going to continue to be the case. But uh, you see – I guess I just look at this as a preventative sort of thing. And unless – you have some particular sort of sensibility. Now, I understand. There's people that are allergic. There's people that are allergic to penicillin. Okay. Well, in that case, you don't give people penicillin. I get it. But for most people, matter of fact, when I got the flu shot, I, I hardly even knew that she had given me the flu shot. Let's talk to Joe in Wauwatosa. Hi, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
5: Oh, I'm sorry. Are you talking to me? I am. Hello. This is this is Jill. Um, hi. I I don't get the flu shot. I never have. And you just said you'd gotten a lot of texting from people that say I don't get the flu, and and neither do I. And I work with the public, and I I know I'm exposed. I've been exposed a couple of years ago. My husband he always got the flu shot. He did not get it. He got the flu. Huh. I was in an exposed car with him while he was very contagious I never got it and I think it's because my immune system is very high because mm-hmm. I, I fought it off, my, off myself where my husband that was the first year he hadn't gotten it the flu shot because he worked in a situation um, where he had to get it So you get
1: think you think, you think you've got, got good, Retired? You, you think you've got good genes in other words a, a good strong immune no, system I, think
5: I have i think I have a strong immune system uh-huh. against the flu I'm totally for people getting immunizations for measles and all of that this is just something i'm afraid to get it because i'm afraid then my own immune system will not take care of it and i'll have to always get it
1: okay you're not one that's afraid that you're going to get a nasty reaction or something to it you just don't think you need it yeah right got it okay well i mean i appreciate that was my question i mean i i guess i just look at this and i sit there and i think okay well Given that it's it's readily available and given the fact that for the vast majority, the overwhelming percentage of people, you're, you're not going to have a negative reaction and they can't guarantee it's going to work. Last year, I, I think in particular, the, the strains that they were guessing, because it changes every year, the strains of flu that they were designing the flu shot for, they they, they kind of missed the mark a little bit. And, and so I acknowledge the effectiveness is going to go up and down over time. Once again, though, I just... I don't understand the decision not not to get it. If it is in fact a conscious decision, my guess is a lot of people who don't get the flu shot. It's just a question of being. I don't want to say lazy because that, that. But it, it's more like, well, I, I don't feel like stopping off at the pharmacy, or I'm not scheduled to see my doctor, or something like that. Like I say, I just make it a part of of my regular regimen. It, it's all part of when I visit the doctor. They just give me the shot, and everything's fine. though, 38% people getting the flu shot. To me, that's just a staggeringly small number. All right. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Today is another one of those examples of why you can't, when it comes to managing money, your own money in particular, you can't allow the story of any particular day to lead you to make rash, impulsive decisions. I, I bring this because I see this happening time and time again. All right, last week you have the story about the spread of the coronavirus, and like I say, I, I get that it's a big deal. How big a deal it is, I, I guess we're going to have to tell. We're, we're not going to tell, but there's a there's a couple days last week. I think in particular last Friday that people just panic. Oh, my gosh, you've got this coronavirus. This is going to it's going to kill the travel industry. OK, it's going to kill the airline industries. It's going to kill all this trade that we have with China because they're not going to be able to export or import products. It's going to be the end of the world as we know it. And people panic and the stock market. I think the Dow Jones drops over 600 points. OK, but that, that, that's all well and good. But it's one of the reasons why I always say you have to look at the underlying fundamentals because, all right, this week, we're at Wednesday. Monday, it was up like 400. Today, it was, yesterday, it was up like 200. Today, right now, the Dow Jones is up 467 points. So bottom line is if these numbers continue, that the Dow is going to be back to, if not higher, than where it was at the end of last week, which makes me wonder. For the people who panicked on Friday and who... Got rid of all their stocks, if people did that, and bought gold or whatever to put under their beds. All right, you, you, you've missed th- this huge run-up that's happened over the course of the last couple days. And it's, just, it's interesting, you see this over and over again as we get caught up in the emotions of a particular event. And and look, I, I understand. I mean, 9-11. I mean, I, I get that at least in the short run, that's going to have an impact. But if we allow ourselves to make these impulse decisions based on every headline that's out there in the news, I, it seems to me it's a recipe for financial disaster. It's one of the reasons why I sit down with my financial guys at Annex, free plug there, and, you know, they come up with this strategy, and I'm comfortable with it. I'll, I'll let them end up worrying about it. But uh, Dow Jones, once again, up big for the uh for the day 450 some points that's on top of two other massive increases over the course of the last um, couple days as well all right i'm old school i admit it i am being pressured to change i am resisting that change here's the story now grew let me ask you this when you you have a calendar when you have to figure out you know, where you have to be and keeping track of, you know, where you have to be on given times. Do do, do you have, do you have a, just a calendar? Is there something that you enter the dates? Hey, on Saturday, I have to be here. On Tuesday, I have to be here. Do you have something you do that in?
4: Yeah, Kaylee kind of keeps one up for me a little bit, and it's on my phone. Okay, well, that's what my question but, is. It's on. It's on your phone. But the main one that I actually use, I write it all on a whiteboard uh, in in our apartment.
1: You have it. So you have it on a whiteboard. So sometimes your you know, Mrs. Grew will put it up on your phone, but that's not what you really rely on. So you look at the whiteboard. Yep. Yep. Okay. I I, I understand because I, I have been doing this since I first started practicing law. And what I do every year is I go out and I buy one of those month-at-a-glance calendars, you know, and I put it on, on my desk at home, and it's got, you know, every day of the month. And then what I do is when I schedule an appointment, I, I write on there. For example, after we get done with the show today, we have a couple interviews with uh, sponsors that are coming in. So on my month-at-a-glance calendar for this afternoon, 3 p.m., Three thirty p.m. I've got it marked down. I'm going to the dentist Friday morning at eight o'clock to have this permanent crown put in because it's it's the dentist. It's written there, so everything is on this calendar. That it used to be at the office. Now I have it at home, but I I, I look at it in advance, so I know you know what's coming up for the next few days, and I, I make sure things get put on that. Now I don't have it with me all the time, but in general, I I know what it is now occasionally that means because it's it's at home it means that i i can't commit to stuff right away for example i was exchanging emails with somebody today who who wants to do and schedule an interview with me about something and it was like okay well i i don't i don't I can't commit to any particular day in this particular week in March because I don't have my calendar in front of me, but I'll I'll check it, and I'll get back to you, and and we'll do it. So I admit by not always having it with me, there's times that I I sometimes just have to say I'll have to get back to you. But nevertheless, that is what I'm comfortable with, the paper calendar. My lovely wife, on the other hand, does not get the whole paper calendar. She has on her phone, she has all the events. I mean, everything – that we do is supposed to be entered in the phone now that's a whole nother story about whether she actually enters all the stuff but it's all entered in the phone so she doesn't use paper calendars at all and she has been on me saying you know you jeff it's the 21st century it's 2020 people don't use these paper calendars anymore it would be so convenient you always carry your phone with you why not just put it on your phone and then when somebody asks you if you're available the week of March, whatever, you don't have you can just pull it up right there and do it. You know, and it's it's not any the argument is it's not any more time because, you know, you, you enter, you know, you enter the stuff at home on the calendar anyways. Well, at the same point, at the same time, it takes to go home and pull out a pen and enter the thing on the calendar at home. You know, you, you could enter it on your phone and then you have it there. I understand that on one level, but I'm not there yet. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. When you have to keep track of events, is it now completely electronic? Is it on your phone or are you, I would say, old school? Some people might say dinosaur, but I would say old school. I tend to look at it that way. All right. Again, I I like the paper calendar. I like the month at a glance. I like to be able on Saturday or Sunday to take a look at that calendar that's there and with one glance see what my next week looks like, see where my appointments are. I'm not ready to go electronic. My wife just looks at me and I get that look that, you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. You know, why wouldn't you simply take advantage of the technology that you carry around with you? Well, I'm not. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, old school dinosaur move on it's the 21st century of course you should be keeping all your stuff electronically i just i'm not ready to make that step how about you 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line grew is lining up the calls we are back to discuss in just a moment if you're on the line please hold on
0: back to take your calls here's wtmj's jeff wagner
1: here's a text Jeff, I'm an almost 40-year-old dinosaur. I have a monthly calendar on the fridge and a weekly planner. God bless you. I'm proud of it. I should also add um, I use the calendar on my phone. I probably spend more time uh, documenting my apps, um, anthem events, than actually um, at my appointments and events. All right, um, 855-616-1620. Let's start with Paul in West Allis. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? I am well. Okay, dinosaur or old school? What do you think?
3: How about Super Dinosaur? (laughs) Uh, On my dining, my cocktail table, I've got a calendar. It's one of these big ones you get at a school supply place or whatever. It's like two feet by two feet. I mean, it's big. With the big pages, you tear off at the end of the month. I can write uh, the birthdays on there, events like you said that are coming up, uh, anything. Somewhere I might have spent money that I, you know, might forget, or I'll write, you know, save my receipts. And also, the calendar is full by the end of the month. Right. (laughs) Every day has got something on it. Okay, so why do you do it? It's more convenient. Okay. The kids, uh, I understand if the younger people are having a better time or an easier time with the phones. It just doesn't work for me. It's out of sight, out of mind. It's in my pocket. Yeah, Not right I, in front of me every day. I see this huge two <laughs> by two calendar in front of me. I can't now, miss
1: it. Now, right now, again, the the downside, and I confess, is that that you don't take that huge calendar with you all the time. So if you're out and about and, and somebody wants to schedule something with you, you got to say, okay, I can't commit now. I got to go look at the calendar. But but you know, exactly. you can work you can work around that. I work around it all the time. It's like, hey, I got to check. I'll get back to you, and then I do. <laughs>
3: And sometimes you see this calendar so often, you'll know what days you have open or not at times, yes.
1: Well, exactly. No, thanks. See, that's kind of how I am because, like I say, at the beginning of a week – I, and this is just always the way I've done it. Since I got out of law school and started practicing law, I, I will know, you know, what the events are, I, that, are that are coming up on, on different days. Now, candidly, nowadays, my schedule is less crowded. I mean, I know I know where I'm supposed to be from noon until 3, so it's only if we've got, you know, if I've got appointments or I've got meetings or whatever. But it, it's just I put them in there. I look at it, and I know I just like having the month at a glance thing that's there. Mary in Greenfield. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
5: Hi Jeff, how are you?
1: I am well, thank you. Okay, am I a dinosaur or is this just old school?
2: No, I think it's old school. I do the same thing. Um, My husband and I are both retired, so I buy a calendar from a department store and I hang it on our our door or closet or whatever, and I write everything down. When we get paid, I write down anything we have for our grandkids or any like we're going on a trip to Ireland the end of March. I've written that on our calendar. I write everything on the calendar.
1: Right. Have you ever been tempted to use your phone just to do that, to replace the calendar? No. Yeah, me, no me me neither thanks for, although although my, my wife is pushing me to do this uh here's a tag we got lots of text jeff i'm in outside sales so i buy a planner yearly and I, I think that's kind of what i'm talking about i've got the month at a glance i love the big picture seeing the whole month the phone is great but it's so tiny enjoy your show have a great day um well thank you let's talk to let's see we've got amy in burlington hi amy you're in wtmj you i am well thank you am i a dinosaur or i'm just am i just being old school
2: nope nope i have a planner and each of my kids and my husband has a color a designated color we have a big calendar in our laundry room same color and then everybody knows what everyone is doing
1: (laughs) so that so all you have to do is get your husband and your kids trained to look at the calendar you know before they leave the house every day or at least at the beginning of the week yeah
2: mostly my husband
1: <laughs> yeah I, I, yes I, I I kind of figured that <laughs> that's it so have you, have you ever been tempted to use the phone to get away to ditch the uh, paper calendar
2: no I would rather see it right in front of me written out what everybody has going on
1: yeah I, I think I guess I, I think I right I guess I I, I like that too I mean now I, again there's one of the things my wife says is well you can do both and, and I guess that that's true but it's kind of like well I, I have enough trouble you know remembering to you know put it all in one place why do I need to duplicate it because and maybe it's just something that you get in the habit of but I, I just I'm not in the habit of looking at my phone for things now I do understand that if you do that you can sync your devices so you know you're getting the messages all the time saying remember you've got something at three o'clock in the afternoon well I don't miss appointments I, I don't need that maybe it's someday I will. Bonnie in Door County. Hi, Bonnie. You're in WTMJ.
2: Hi, how are you doing?
1: I'm well, thank you. OK, paper calendars versus the electronic ones.
2: I have the queen of the dinosaurs and I'm <laughs> darn proud of it. <laughs> OK,
1: you're... There's, a,
2: there's, a, there's a wall hanging. Uh, calendar on the service door as I walk out to the garage, and there's a paper calendar, a pocket calendar in my purse. Okay. The only reason I'm on my cell phone now is because I'm on my way up to Door County. Otherwise, I'd have it shut off. Ask my children.
1: <laughs> okay. Have you? So you just? I mean, you just don't use your phone that much, and so the idea of carrying your phone around with you to use your calendar doesn't make any sense to you.
2: I no longer want to be accessible. But another point, I've watched people put that information into their phone, and it's, oh, wait a second, wait, 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 no, wait, 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 right. it. wait, 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 wait. That seems like quite a hassle. Hey, well, it, um, it you
3: know, is. I, no, people I,
2: have said to me, what if one one of your kids gets in an accident and they try to reach you? Hey, if my adult children get in an accident, the last person they're going to call is their (laughs) mom.
1: Thanks for the call. Let's talk to uh, Linda in Oak Creek. Linda, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
5: Hi, Jeff. I am paper all the way. I am not technologically savvy, so I'm afraid if I try to put something in my phone on my calendar, I'm going to put it on the wrong day, or it's going to get deleted. So, no paper all the way. I can carry my little calendar in my purse. I write everything down on my calendar. Now,
1: of course, Absolutely. your little paper calendar doesn't remind you. I mean, it doesn't no, reach out and care. remind you that you've got an appointment on Thursday. I mean, like your phone would.
5: I look at my calendar every day. Yep. Actually, I look at it the night before to make sure I know what's going on the next day. And
2: yeah paper all the way
1: yeah th- I guess, see I guess maybe that's my thinking too I've just been doing this for so long that, that maybe it's just a situation of if it if it's not broke you know why, why fix it because this is something that works for me now if I was forgetting about appointments and missing appointments and not showing up when I'm supposed to or, or Putting stuff in the phone that, that's wrong. Okay, well, or, or my calendar that was wrong. Maybe I, I'd have to rethink it. But so far, that that hasn't happened to me. Jack in Elkhorn. Jack here on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Okay. Um, I'm not a
0: dinosaur. I, I'm an old fart. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> um, I use a calendar. My wife carries a, a booklet in her, in her purse with her for all the appointments, our salt delivery, everything. And. I'm too stupid to know how to put it in my phone. <laughs> well, I,
1: I don't, <laughs> I don't buy that. I, I, I think we, we can all us old dogs can learn new tricks. I, but,
3: but you know, but I it did wor- graduate, but, I did graduate from Marquette. stuff so like <laughs> that. Way on. <laughs> there
1: you go. For, well, but anyway, I mean, see, I just think it's, it's whatever works for you. Okay, Jeff. I'm 31 years old and I live by my paper planner. I have to write everything down and I can't visualize my day when I read it on the screen. Yeah, I guess that's. I, you know the the other thing. Hmm, the other thing that I find is that when when I try to put the stuff in the calendar, or when my wife puts stuff in her calendar, sometimes it, it's you know she if something changes. She just doesn't do the greatest job of changing it. So you'll have, okay, the the dog now has two grooming appointments on Tuesday and on Thursday, and it was, you know, because it was was originally Tuesday, and then it was Thursday. With me, it's easy. If an appointment changes, okay, we're moving it from Tuesday or Thursday, I just take my pen, I scratch the line through the dog grooming thing at 9 o'clock on Tuesday morning, and I write in 9 o'clock on Thursday. Bottom line is whatever works. But I'm actually being reassured by this a little bit because I was starting to think that I'm the only person left in the world old or grew and i are the only two people left in the world who still use the old-fashioned paper calendars i'm i'm there with you maybe it's just being a dinosaur stuck in the tar pit maybe it's old school a couple of the textures say it's it's being retro all right i'll take that as well hey john McCure is back from his vacation we'll find out what he's got on his mind please stick around